Welcome to episode 62 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to continue from last episode and talk about Jesus throughout the entirety of Scripture. Let's dive in. Well, we're right in the middle of a three-part series. If you haven't listened to episode 61, I highly encourage you to do so before continuing with this one. In today's episode, we're going to continue with the sermon that I started last week. Recently, I gave a sermon as I just got back from Israel about this idea of the just the reality of seeing Jesus in the Word and throughout the land of Israel. So last time, we were looking at Genesis 1-1 and, and noticing how God himself is our rock and the fact that Jesus is the carpenter, that, that he is the stonemason and the architect of all creation. What a beautiful reality. Well, I'm going to continue with the second portion of the sermon. And today we're going to be focusing on this idea of desperation and just this delight that we have in Jesus. So without further ado, this is part two of my sermon, The Delight of Discovery. There's this idea that's interesting in the land of desperation and dependence. Uh, the question I asked my group, uh, when, you, when you get to Israel, it's fascinating. Up north, it's, it's very lush and beautiful. At this time of the year, it's springtime. And about midsummer, it starts to you know, kind of go a little brown. But if you go to the southern region, it's like, it's a desert. And I don't know about you, but if, if we're going to have a promised land, I would think of like Hawaii or Bermuda, you know, or the Caribbean somewhere, right? I mean, because that's like, that's the promised land. White beaches, clear through, uh, uh, see-through waters, warm, perfect weather, cool breeze, sweet tea. I mean, it just sounds perfect. <clears throat> so why would God choose this land? Because you go there and you're like, God, I think you, <laughs> we're like, Poof. well, that's what I picked. I mean, it's, why? I mean, I mean it makes no sense. It really doesn't. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's confusing until you understand God's purpose. Uh, a couple of just interesting facts about Israel. Uh, Israel, ancient Israel, sat at the crossroads of all ancient trade and war. In other words, uh, what, what's interesting is here's, here's, here's Israel. Oops. Here's Israel right here on the side of the Mediterranean. And what's really fascinating about that is that if you're coming from Europe, Asia, or Africa, you would have had to pass through Israel. And so the main road on the coastal, on the, on the coastal shore of, of Israel was the main trade route. It's interesting, if, if you read the Old Testament and you get into the prophets and all the, you know, the, the chronicles and kings, there's war after war after war. Here's the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, coming, and he's besieging. Well, why is he besieging Israel? Well, because whoever controls Israel controls the trade routes. He, they hold the land. So he's not really interested in Israel. He's interested in Egypt. But the only way I'm going to get down to Egypt and fight Egypt is I have to hold Israel. Well, why did Babylon want Israel? They didn't care about Israel. They wanted the land. Why? Because it was the center of the entire known world. Well, that's fascinating. Uh, when you look at the geography, and it's kind of hard to see, uh, but there, there are four key regions. There's a little bit more than that, but there's all, we'll all split into four key regions. So here's Israel. Here's the Mediterranean. Uh, right here next to the Mediterranean, you'd have the coastal plain. It's very lush, very fertile. As you move in, you kind of have this little highlands area, and it goes into the Judean mountains or the central mountains area. And then you get into the wilderness, which is kind of this area right here, as it goes into this deep 
Jordan Rift Valley. And the Jordan Rift Valley, by the way, is the lowest part of land on, on the planet. So the Sea of Galilee is the lowest freshwater lake in the world. The Dead Sea is the lowest body of salt water in the entire world. Jericho, the city of Jericho right next to the Dead Sea, is the lowest city in the entire world. And supposedly the oldest. Okay? But that would be in this area right here. Just fun side note. Uh, right up here is the Valley of Jezreel. Uh, Mount Carmel's right on the edge of that. Nazareth is right on the edge of that. Did you know that most of the major battles in biblical history happened right here? And the reason being is, if this is the major uh, way for, for the ancient Israels for trade and for war, this is the only place big enough to have major battles. Do you know what the Valley of Jezreel is also called? The Valley of Armageddon. And when you look at the Revelation stuff and you look at where the big battle is going to be fought, well, why on earth would it be right there? Because it's the only valley big enough to have a war. Just an interesting, fun side note. So you have the coastal plain, kind of lush and rich. You have the central mountain area, uh, which is kind of getting more deserty, um, very mountainous region. You have the wilderness, which is a, when you think wilderness, I think of like Rocky Mountain wilderness. That's not this wilderness. I'll show you some pictures. But when we're talking wilderness, we're talking desert. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, and then you have the Jordan Rift Valley, which in parts near the Jordan would be lush, but it's very dry, dusty, and just kind of eh. So, not that that wasn't a good selling pitch to come to Israel, but it's beautiful. It's so gorgeous. It's just like Hawaii. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, and then you have the Jordanian mountains um, over here on the, on the far side. So that's the wilderness. So when we talk about that Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days, that's what it looked like. There weren't trees. It was hot. It was just kind of, there's no food. And he lived that way for 40 days. Hey, when the Israelites were wandering the wilderness, right, for 40 years, guess what it looked like? Now, it wouldn't have been this because this is in Israel, but they would have been on the outside of this. But it looks just like this. It's a desert. Oh, look, more rocks. But this is, this is the wilderness. And one of the things that's so fascinating about this land is that one of the key things, I'll even tell you to this day, one of the key realities of, of being in Israel is that there's no water. In fact, the number one thing that the Israelites guard, even to this day, is their water sources. Why? Because you recognize that as an enemy, if you want to get, hey, if you want to cause problems in Israel, just pollute their water source. And if you would pollute the water source, how are they going to survive? And so what's interesting is you have Mount Hermon up, up far in the north, and that runs into the Sea of Galilee, which is about a 13 by 9 mile lake. It's very beautiful. It's gorgeous. Jesus spent almost all of his ministry time right around the Sea of Galilee, specifically in Capernaum, up, up on the north side. So the fresh water flows into the Sea of Galilee, and then it goes down the Jordan River all the way down to the Dead Sea. And that's their main water source. Now, just as a fun Christophany, because it's one of my all-time favorites, there's an interesting passage in the book of Joshua that talks about them that they've been wandering the wilderness for 40 years and they, they come up to the promised land and they're on the far side of the Jordan. They're about to cross over. They're right across from Jericho. And if you remember the scene, uh, they, it's right around Passover season. And uh, they, so they go through the, the ritual stuff. And then here they are. They're about to cross over the Jordan. And God says, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the priest with the ark. And as, they, as the priest step into the river, the water will stop. And it really is mimicking the whole Red Sea thing. 
So here, 40 years later, after the Red Sea, here are the, here are the priests, they have the ark, which is symbolic of the presence of the Lord. I need you to think through this. This is beautiful. Here's the ark, symbolic of the presence of God. And they step into the water. And the moment that the priests step into the water, the water dries up. And it actually tells you where the water dries up from. Now, listen to this. <clears throat> it says, And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, at the feet of the priests who bore the ark, uh, sorry, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped into the edge of the water, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at this city called Adam. So there is a city called Adam. And the waters, the moment that the priest, holding the symbol of the presence of God, steps into the water, the water dries up all the way from this place way over there called Adam and all the way down to the salt sea, which is the dead sea. Now, just think this through for just one second. Here are the priests holding what is symbolic as the presence of God. And the moment that the presence of God steps into the water, that which flowed from Adam all the way to death, the Dead Sea, dried up and was cut off. I don't know if you see something in that, but isn't that a picture of Jesus? That here is Jesus. And when Jesus steps into the middle of something, that which started at Adam and flows all the way to death ceases. It stops. Isn't that beautiful? That's not by accident. Why? It's a Christophany. It's a picture of him. Isn't that amazing? So again, here's the question. Why this land? Why would God choose a place full of desert? Well, I'll tell you. Because it forces desperation and dependency. See, if I was down in Hawaii, I don't need God. All these lush springs, I've never been there, but if you want to send me, I'll, I'll prove this. Lush springs, right? Fruit all over the place. I mean, you could, you could live well in Hawaii. Why? Because there's just all these natural resources. But in this land, I have to depend upon God. It's a land without water. So if I get thirsty or my crops need water, he's going to have to send rain. And I'm going to have to depend upon him. By the way, do you know what you're called to as a Christian? Dependency. Do you know what the whole life of the Christian life's all about? Dependency. That this is not you living your life for Christ. This is about would you allow him to live his life through you? Or as Eric would say, hey, don't turn to your own pockets because you don't have it in your pockets. What would happen if you allowed him and his overwhelming resource to be all that you need? 2 Peter 1.3, all that we need for life and godliness is found in one single place. His name is Jesus. And isn't it interesting that God chooses a place that forces that? That he didn't choose the lush garden. He didn't choose lush Hawaii. He chose desert and said, this is my promised land. God, I think this is a bad promise. He said, no, no, no. Because if you would live here, what, you would, what, what it would demand of your life is dependency and desperation. Now, there's a place right in, outside the wilderness, right on this, uh, the Dead Sea. So here's the Dead Sea. This little crevice, crevice, or however you want to say it, is uh, in Gedi. And this is a place that David ran from Saul all the time. So when it says that David ran into the wilderness, or he ran to En Gedi, this is the location. I don't know about you, but that doesn't look impressive. Why would you run there? There is no water. And did you realize it was from this location 
that has one little tiny spring of water. There's two waterfalls, one little spring. And in the midst of a desert, dry, thirsty land. It was here that David wrote Psalm 63. So Psalm 63 starts, it's a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. What did that wilderness look like? That. And do you know what David writes in the middle of that wilderness? He says, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Doesn't that make more sense? He says, hey, I, I look around me and all I see is desert. Hey, I, I look around and there's only one little tiny spring of water. And oh, I am thirsty physically. But God, I want to be that way with you. That just as I am in a dry and thirsty land with no water, and I'm craving, every part of me is craving you, craving water. God, I want to crave you that way. That I want to have a desperation for God himself. God, I, I want to hunger and thirst after you. I want to seek after you and you alone. I want you to be my single delight and desire and consumption. Why? I want to be seeking you as if you are the only source of water in a dry and thirsty land. And he wrote that there beautiful. And that same attitude should be your attitude. That's the life of a Christian. That a life of a Christian is not, well, yeah, I'm going to add God to my life. The life of a Christian is, well, I'm desperate for him. And yes, he fills up my life, but I'm hungering and thirsting after him more. Which is why Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 said, blessed are you who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for you shall be filled. But what's amazing is, I, I know you, you've never only eaten one meal in your life. In fact, you eat, and it increases your capacity, which means you've got to eat more. And he fails you, which means it increases your capacity. You keep eating and eating and eating and eating. In fact, if I said, we're canceling lunch today, you'd go, no, I'm hungry. What if we were like that with Jesus? That we would hunger and thirst after him, and he would fill us, and we would be satisfied, but it would increase our capacity, and we would hunger and thirst after him more, so we would go after him, and then he would increase our capacity. No wonder that beautiful song, the more I seek you, the more that I find you, the more that I find you, the more that I love you. And the more that I love you, it's interesting, the more that I start seeking you again. And the more that I seek you, the more I find you, the more I find you, the more I love you, the more I love you, the more I seek you. Why? Because there's this consumption, there's this desperation, there's this delight in who you are, and I will not be satisfied unless I have you in totality. And I can't, so I'm going to keep going after you. Isn't that beautiful? That's the Christian life. And here's David on the backside of the desert saying, oh, I'm craving water, but God, I want to crave you more. That's beautiful. Interesting, in the book of Deuteronomy, God's talking about this idea that you are to be dependent upon God and no other. Listen to this. Speaking about this whole idea of dependency and why he chose the land. <clears throat> God is speaking through Moses. He says, And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love your God and serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain your new wine and your oil. And I will sing grass in your fields for your livestock, that you may eat and be filled. He says, well, if you would run after me, if you would seek me, if you would obey me, you will find that I am trustworthy. I, I, you, can, you can depend upon me. Interesting, though, he, he continues and says, but take heed, 
lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them, lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you. And he shut up the heavens so there'd be no rain and the yield yield no produce and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord has given you. What is God asking of his people? Dependency. And we understand we live in a different culture. Hey, I mean, we have to turn sprinklers on here, but, you know, go a few hundred miles, you know, toward the east, and you don't, there's no sprinklers. Why? Because there's so much rain. Well, well, what does that look like? Well, dependency may look like, may look different than here, but you realize that the call in your life is still dependency. So don't go live your life for Jesus. Would you get so wrapped up in Jesus that he begins to live his life in and through you? And would you literally throw yourself in faith, in surrender, in abiding, in dependency, in independence upon him and say, God, I don't even want to try. Will you just, will you somehow source my life? Hmm. Great picture of this would be the manna. In Exodus 16, the children ate, uh, the children of Israel ate manna for 40 years. 40 years. And you know what the word manna means? What is it? That's what it actually means in Hebrew. That's <laughs> awesome. Because the stuff came down, the Israelites went out and they go, manna, what is it? And they had no, they had no explanation, so they, that's what they kept it. So every day, what are you going to get? What is it? Hey, what are you going to have for dinner? What is it? Lunch? What is it? Snack time? What is it? I mean, it's just, it was manna, 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 manna. 40 years. But you remember the story? They would go out to gather. It would come like the dew. They would go out and gather what they needed for the day. They could not gather more, except on the Sabbath. Hey, and, and the moment that the sun came up, it would dry it, and the manna would disappear. And, and hey, they made bread and cakes, all this kind of stuff, and they ate this thing for 40, 40 years. Do you know what that was? It was a symbol of dependence. Because they, they couldn't hoard it. Every single day they had a trust. They would go out there and say, God, I'm trusting that you're going to provide for me today, and I'm going to take only what I need for today, and I'm going to trust that you're going to give me what I need tomorrow. Tomorrow. And for 40 years, they had to live in dependency that God would give what they needed every single day. Do you realize you need to live that way? And will you get from God what you need today? You can't hoard this stuff. Which probably tells you you need to be in the Word daily. Because you can't hoard it. Well, I'll, I'll come on Sunday. I'll, I'll, it'll last me for the week. That's not how it works. Because you need Him every moment of every single day. Because you're called to dependency. That really is my desire for you. I desire that you would be desperate and hungry and passionate for Jesus Christ. Would you be like David who in a dry and thirsty land would just crave the reality of who God is, that you would hunger and thirst after him? Oh, I want that for your life. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including an outline and a PDF where you can see the slides and pictures that I was walking through in this particular portion of the sermon, you can do so by visiting deeperchristian.com forward slash 62 for episode number 62. Now, next time we're going to finish part three of this sermon. And oh, it is a doozy. It's probably my favorite part of the whole sermon. But until then, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.